Welcome back, and you are listening to another episode of uh, Lunchtime Chats with BTO. I'm your host, Kiara. Today, I have a special guest here to talk to us today about the importance of Black youth mental health, Michael Briggs. Um, he's a Black mental health counselor who is uh, currently sitting on our board at BTO. Um, so, Mike, it's so lovely to have you here today with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Of course, yeah. So let's just jump right in. Um, tell us about you and your background. How did you get into this field? Well, it's funny, funny you ask me that. Uh, I went to I went undergrad at Pitt, and I was going for chemistry. Mm, <laughs> surprise, really? Surprise. Yeah, I went for chemistry, and I got bored. Uh, then you know, I remember psychology, and I'm like, you know, I was doing psychology, and I just kept with it yeah and then uh I did after I graduated at Pitt I did TSS in Pittsburgh for a little bit mm-hmm. as a road warrior mm-hmm. um didn't like how I was doing my car so <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> had to move back to Philly and did like school-based behavioral health yeah I loved it uh-huh. it was amazing they lost funding because you know people don't think you know mental health is a real thing yet mm-hmm. uh and I, I took a little hiatus and worked for the government for like two years. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I couldn't do that anymore. So I, I needed to work with more kids. So yeah. I applied to Western Psych. Mm-hmm. And I worked there for about eight years inpatient mm-hmm. when I child adolescent floor. Then yeah. I did like a couple months doing outpatient. Yeah. And now I, I'm back to like school-based uh, therapy. Okay. Okay. So that's what you're up to now. Yep. Yeah. How are you liking that uh, that specific uh, placement? It's well, it's it's new at the Clarendon School that I'm at, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm excited for it because it's a new program. It's called the Chill Project, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure people have heard the Chill Project. Uh, it's 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 expanding over in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm a therapist. I'm one of the therapists there, mm-hmm. and it. As you know, Clarendon is a K through 12 school. Okay. okay. So I work with every age group. It's been yeah. great. Yeah. Do you have any specific age group that you prefer to work with? Not really. Mm. Everyone needs help. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way that you put that. Everybody needs help. Yeah. Um, well, just thinking about that, you know, you're kind of a unique unicorn within our profession right (laughs) who are (laughs) that's the way I kind of like to think of it is you know a black male counselor we don't really have a lot of those in our field currently um so what has that experience been like for you and you know what's the journey been like for you to become a counselor well I wouldn't say it's been difficult I should Mm -hmm. say everybody's been like really open-armed Mm-hmm. and is excited for me to join their program and mm-hmm. do all kinds of things because like you said I am like a unicorn mm-hmm. <laughs> but I like what I do yeah I'm pretty good at what I do yeah so you know I'll help when I'm needed yeah yeah um how do you think you know if at all how do you think your social location kind of affects your work with the youth that you're with my social location? Yeah, like being a black male counselor, you know, how, oh, okay. how does that really affect the way that you work or what your work looks like with the, the kids that you work with? 
Okay, so here's the thing. So when I was working at Westman Psych mm -hmm. and the other places, I realized that the majority of counselors are white, white females, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So when they see this black face, they gravitate towards it mm -hmm. and try to, you know, see what I'm about and see if I'm mean, see if I'm nice. Mm -hmm. And they just find out that I'm more down to earth and I just meet the running at and I think they just gravitate towards me yeah, and just open and talk to me more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you really, you feel like, you know, the people that you work with, it's, it seems like it's easier for people to open up to you or kind of accept you as part of the profession. Correct. Cause you know, you know, with, with you know, African-Americans and mental health, it's, it's hard to mm -hmm. get them to buy in on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And the re I wrote on this, I wrote a, a report on this. I, I call it the, uh, the slave minds, not mind frame, slave uh -huh. mind frame. Yeah. And what, what I mean by that is like, we are told and through every generation through yeah. from slavery that we had to hold these emotions in. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? We can't be seen as being weak. Yeah. So if anything we have to deal with, we have to deal with it on our own, even though it may tear us apart. As you know, that if you hold all this stuff in, it's going to have some really ridiculous uh, outcomes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Black people are just regular people as well. We yeah. have issues. We have emotions. Yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And... That's when, you know, I I was thinking like when all the protests were happening, mm -hmm. people were uh, like, you know, people were really upset. Yeah. And I mean, there was like a lot of factors that contributed to that. Mm -hmm. Besides all the killings that keep happening year yeah. after year after year. Mm -hmm. And the right. fact that, that that it was it was COVID happening too. Mm -hmm. So people are locked in. So mm -hmm. you're you think about it, you're locked in your room, you're mm -hmm. locked in your house with a bunch of people that you have to stay with all the time. Yeah. So this is all your thoughts and your emotions mm -hmm. stuck in one yeah. room. So when it's time to protest, of course, they're going to go at it. Yeah. They're going to go at it. Why? Because the mental health is out there and they don't go, don't gravitate towards it mm. because they, they use their voice as an outlet. Yeah. Instead of actually getting their emotions out in a more positive light sometimes, mm. it comes out like, you know, they might consider a riot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think too, you know, you bring up something that's really important here is that kind of buying in to mental health within the black community, you know, and I, and I think that especially when we're thinking about black teen mental health and yeah. how that's incredibly obviously important, but obviously very overlooked, right? That's something that yeah. is very much dismissed. And, and I think that that's kind of that stigmatization that happens about mental health within the black community. And, and I think that, you know, black folks are just constantly filtering through racism, microaggressions on a daily basis, and yes. sometimes not surviving that, right? You mentioned that, you know, the, the killings that are happening um, on a day-to-day -day basis because of racism and we're not treating racism like the public health crisis that it actually is, right? Yeah. And so when we're thinking about our black youth 
and the suicide rates that are just incredibly and steadily increasing at an alarming rate, especially yep. with our Black boys. And that is something that, you know, it's it's hard to kind of dip your toe or like like get your toe in the door, you know, not even get yeah. your whole foot in the door. It's hard to get your toe in the door to even, you know, pry open a little bit to help with that uh, issue that's happening within the Black community, you know. So I'm wondering, you know, what what are your thoughts on that? You know, how how can we start opening that door a little bit? How can we start talking about Black mental wellness? Okay, so, all right, so you've made some great points, okay? Yeah. So there is a stigma and there's a lot of microaggressions. Mm -hmm. So we have to get in a mind frame that every behavior happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if you are noticing a kid that's always being aggressive, always yelling, always screaming, blah, 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 they're not doing for attention all the time. It's a reason that this is happening. Yeah. Yeah. What would you, you know, think about it. If there's a little white boy that's having all these problems and screaming, yelling in the class, you would say, oh my God, what's happening with this kid? Yeah. Rather than a black boy, who's like, oh, he needs discipline. Right. He's aggressive. He's aggressive. Mm -hmm. Stop looking at the color of the person and start actually, actually thinking about their mentality. Mm -hmm. That's where we we're, we're staring away from. Mm-hmm. The, the, you gotta be aware of your actual bias. Mm, yeah, yeah. Just because they, everybody acts the way they wanna act. Everybody's individualized, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And just cause of color of skin, just cause they're, you know, aggressive or whatever case may be, does not make them seem like they don't have anything going on in their life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just, I really, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I really think that that gets to kind of the obstacles that Black youth face when we are talking about giving them those services or the mental health services that they really need, right? It's, yeah. you know, it's not only like the literal, like systemic obstacles that they have to blow through, like the financial obstacles, the housing obstacles, all of that stuff. Yes, that contributes to their behavior, um, but also just the filtering through that racist that racist biases that a lot of people don't even realize that are are going on or are part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an ongoing battle. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so so it sounds to me like really the biggest thing you know, from your perspective that we really need to at least get her, you know, if we're going to stick with my metaphor of getting our toe in the door of, uh, you know, talking about Black mental wellness within that community is really that educational piece of implicit biases in yes. every aspect of services for youth. Correct. Yeah. I uh, mean, it's just like, Everybody goes through things. Literally, everybody goes through things. Yeah, yeah. And it, even if it's not, you know, what they uh, grew up doing, mm -hmm. it could have been something that happened during that week, mm -hmm. that month, the year. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? 
it's it's always something there's a reason for everything yeah yeah i really like how you mentioned here too that you know every behavior happens for a reason and is because of something right and it could literally be because they don't know when they're going to eat next they don't have that security they don't yes. have the safety that they need in order to you know behave in a specific way or behave quote unquote appropriately you know it's um there's so many different things that I think the black community has to filter through on a constant basis which is exhausting yes I'll give you an example this this happened to me when I went to Philly um so I had my daughter's uh, my daughter's boyfriend travel to Philly with us Mm -hmm. and he was having a panic attack in my car. Oh. Right? And I was trying to figure out where the panic attack came from. Well, he was eating food in the car, right? Oh. And he was eating like mac and cheese or something. And some mac and cheese got on his clothes. Mm. And he's he like, oh man, it got on my clothes. Then he freaked out. Mm. Everybody in the car thought he was joking. But he started getting more serious and started hyperventilating. Mm-hmm. So I had my wife pull the car over had him get out the car and actually talk why because he i i kind of knew his background already mm-hmm. all right he's one of those kids that lived on the streets from house to house to house so yeah. only thing he knows is his stuff yeah so when his stuff gets messed up he takes it to heart because mm. that's all he has yeah so of course he's gonna have a panic attack and all that other stuff and you know people aren't gonna see it like that but you gotta think what's real of them is real to them. You can't yeah. minimize anything. Yeah. Yeah. I really like how you how you framed that is, you know, and, and I think that that's a really powerful way to help others reframe when when they're working with black youth or even when when we're working with black youth at, at BTO, right? Is what's real to them is what's real to them. And it's our job to understand that and to understand yes. perspective. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so we did uh, touch on some of those obstacles um, for Black youth to seek services. But how do you think we can better support or work with Black youth in towards of ending that stigmatization of like getting those services, right? There's obviously like those obstacles that they have to face all the time. Um, yeah. But what, if anything, can we do to better help end that stigmatization as counselors? Well, with the youth, the thing about the Black youth right now, they are asking for more mental health services now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the only thing that concerns me about that, it's not really a concern, it's just you got to have the parents buy in mm, yeah because the parents got to bring those appointments the parents got to believe in it the parents got to actually be participants in the treatment yeah yeah there's one thing i learned at, West, at western psych we can teach them all these things mm. but we're sending them back to the same situation yeah and that's why they keep coming back mm, mm-hmm. because we don't talk to the parents yeah so then let me reframe okay go ahead what are some ways that we can help the parents or you know, an older generation of the black community to 
you know, how you frame it as buy-in to mental health. What are those obstacles there for them? Community outreach. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's not just community outreach. And here's the thing about community outreach. You got to think about where you would start with community outreach. Mm -hmm. Go to like a like a, a youth football game. Yeah. There's going to be tons of Black folks there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I use like a little podium or whatever the case may be, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And just give the information out. Yeah. And it, it sometimes is word of mouth. Mm -hmm. So if you get like two or three people, those two or three people will just add more people. In. Yeah. As long as you get somebody to buy in on it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, let's see, uh, sporting events. Uh, there's also, you can do like um, food drives. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Food drives, clothing drives, all that stuff. Like even when you're like giving a uh, like free things out, mm -hmm. still passing the information. Yeah. And if you have like a like a two minute blurb of what the information is about, tell mm -hmm. them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Information is power. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Once you educate, you have to educate it for education they know, mm -hmm. they know but have a better understanding of what it is, rather than thinking it's not gonna be useful, you right. know? Right. Yeah. And I, and I, again, I really like how you said education is power, right? That's such a huge part of our profession, um, whether that's in session or in community uh, organizations, you know, just trying to pass along this information. And, you know, there's only so much we can do with people who are not ready to take on those kinds of mm -hmm. services or to dig into, you know, the hard parts of life. But there's, always a good way to plant seeds. So I think that that's a, a really, yes. a really good way to um, suggest that in, in different communities um, to, to get the word out, you know, mental health services are so important to physical health too. Yes. Yeah. Um, so shifting just a little bit um, from that. Um, so I, I think you know, we've, it sounds like we've been talking a lot about, you know, how mental health care is so critical for the Black community and also specifically when we're talking about Black youth, right? Yeah. And it's in that, in those services, it's critical that we have culturally competent care, right? We need to have- That is 100%. Yeah. We need to have counselors. We need to have people who know what they're talking about. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, you're okay. Um, but you know, we have to have people who know what they're talking about. And, yes. And that actually care, right? It's not just that that like educational piece of care or of like providing the care. It's actually caring about your clients and about the communities that you serve. Yes. And so. What would you suggest as a Black mental health counselor to other counselors who aren't Black and are working to educate themselves on being culturally competent? What would you suggest to them that they really need to make sure that they're focusing on in order to work with this community? Well, if you're working with this community and you have, actually have Black clients, 
Mm-hmm. Be very open with them. Be transparent. Mm-hmm. If you don't know something, ask. Yeah. It's not going to hurt. Yeah. Don't, don't act like you know what you're talking about, but you don't know what you're talking about. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Be genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be a real human being, basically. <laughs> what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're, we're people just like you are people. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Don't, don't fake it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think too, like as a, as a white woman and a counselor, something that I have to be really mindful of is educating myself and not placing that kind of responsibility on my clients to educate me about their experience as a black person and the racism that they experience and the microaggressions that they experience, right? Even, mm-hmm. even just in working at our teen center as well, when we have black youth, you know, that's something that I feel like I have to be mindful of and I have to put in the work myself too. Right. And, and so I think what you're saying is really like, of course, like make a connection with them, be human. If you, if you genuinely don't understand something, ask them and nine times out of 10, they'll, they'll let you know, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that, that education piece is, is so, so important when, you know, when we are white counselors working with a diverse community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I want to, I want to talk a little bit specifically more about your time at BTO. So, okay. <laughs> So Mike was uh, one of our incredible interns at BTO when he was working towards his master's degree in professional counseling. Um, so do you mind talking about your time at BTO? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So when, we, when I was an intern there, there were kids that gravitate towards me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a couple by, you know, sticking them out of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, well, the first day they asked you had a basketball court there, I was a designated basketball guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I loved the ideas they had at, at BTO. Mm. It was amazing. It was, it was different. Yeah. And the, the hike, the hike was pretty cool too. Mm-hmm. And the, in the space, here's, here's the thing about the space so I, I had this conversation with Kate okay mm-hmm. now I know how we all like to you know be I don't know how to frame it um let's see where you're where you're talking to a kid and you're using your psych talk mm. you know like oh that that looks wonderful and uh when you frame it like this da, 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 da. I was telling Kate I'm like people don't talk like that Mm-hmm. be real with them mm-hmm. if you don't like what they don't like, cut it out mm-hmm. <laughs> it's as simple as that mm-hmm. and they, it's the realness that gets them yeah yeah um they i i, I introduced scooters i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> like they will be the death of me. So just for everybody else listening, um, 
So we have a physical space here in a, at our center in Pittsburgh um, where we offer a bunch of different program ideas um, and activities throughout um, our program hours every day. Um, and one of them is an active space. Uh, and during Mike's time as an intern, he introduced those little scooters that you sit on that we, we used in gym class like forever ago in elementary school where you put your butt on it and there's handles on the side and you scoot around everywhere. Yeah, our teens love them, but they're dangerous with them. <laughs> see, I, I, see, when I introduced them, mm -hmm. I put it as for Black History Month. Mm -hmm. It was like an obstacle course. Yeah. And Kate loved the uh, scooter so much that she ordered some. Yeah. <laughs> she sure did. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like your time at BTO was, was a, a word that I really like to use for it is very transformative, not only for our kids, but also for your growth as a counselor. So what are some of the aspects of our space that you feel really helped you grow as a counselor? Uh, for the, when you, you guys had different stations. Mm -hmm. So with those different stations, it gave the teens actual time to see what they liked. Mm -hmm. And he's like, literally meet them where, they at, where they're at, literally. Yeah. So if, that, if they're at the painting table, and they like painting. You talk about what they like about like painting. What are they painting about? Blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. If they like the, uh, there was uh, candle making. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a reason why these kids like these different scents. So we would talk about the different. Oh, you muted, Mike. I forgot my my hands on the computer and it's a touch screen. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, that. Uh, where was I left at? The candle? Candles? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's the candles uh, spot and they were making their own candles and they would go by different scents and they were, you, it, then you had the conversation about why mm -hmm. and what scent they would like mm -hmm. and what makes, what, what this scent makes them feel. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. everything was a different talking point. Yeah. And, and then there was like the board game center where they, they played, uh, uh, what is that game called? Axes and Allies. That game, you know, when some people like the, the history as a subject and they talk about things in history. Mm -hmm. Then there was like, uh, like a whole cardboard section where they just made anything they wanted to. Mm -hmm. And they're just being creative. And you just get into their minds of what they're thinking about. And then sometimes they're just, just chilling out. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes they need a break and they just chill out. Mm -hmm. And if they will let you in their space, they'll let you in their space. It's all what they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or the or they want to lo lose a lot of energy, either go play basketball or get on those scooters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those scooters. Um, but yeah, it sounds like you know our space is just really conducive for you know growing counselors to work on those skills of meeting people where they're at and work on those open-ended questioning skills and really just learning about them and um, finding ways to be let in by them if they let us, right? Allowing, allowing us to be a part of their lives, even if it was only temporary, right? Knowing yeah. little pieces about them, um, which really is kind of 
when you think about it, what counseling looks like, um, you know, our counts our, our clients are just letting us in where, where they feel comfortable. And, um, even if it's only for a little while. Um, and I think that that is a really, um, a really beautiful thing. Um, so, so those things were really helpful for your growth as a counselor, but what, what do you think, um, parts of our space are important for like supporting our, uh, black youth that attend our space? Uh, definitely the active space, mm-hmm. the active space and some of the, uh, it really depends, you know, it depends on the person, yeah. but it seemed like a lot of them had a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. So the active space, like playing basketball or being on scooters, they really gravitated towards, yeah. or even just playing like random games in the active space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the active space is so important for us because a lot of people, <clears throat> sorry, it's okay. A lot of our black youth um, have so many responsibilities when they leave our center and they go home yes. and it's really so important for us to give them the opportunity to still be a kid even if it's only for a couple of hours and I think that that's such an important aspect of what we offer to them yes yeah um so last question um in what ways at BTO can we continue to reach out to our black youth and you know help them in the process of what it looks like to continue to grow and and hopefully you know get the services that they might need or maybe they don't need you know in what ways can we continue to to reach them well like i said before parents that's one mm-hmm. uh two with the inner space uh get like a mood chart, <coughs> a mood chart mm. to see where they're at in their headspace. Yeah, I like that. What do you think that that would do for them? Uh, I guess it'll give them uh, like a chance to tell people without like literally telling people what's what's going on in their head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I really like that idea. I think that, you know, that check-in uh, when they first come into our door of you know checking in on their mood or having a chart like that could be really important and uh, really helpful and knowing how to navigate for the rest of the day that they're there. Yeah, so it gives you an idea, you know, what 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 the kids coming in with. You know what I mean? It could be something heavy, could be something light. Yeah. But at least you'll know that they're coming in with something, and if they're doing something, it's a behavior that you see. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this, Mike. You're doing the work for me, just looping right back to the beginning of our conversation. (laughs) Um, Well, listen, I really appreciate your time today. This was such an incredible conversation, learning about your perspective, learning about some of the work that you do and uh, how how we can continue working with uh, Black youth within uh, BTO and beyond um, as counselors. So thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I thank you. I thank you for having me on here. It's been amazing. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much. All right, Kiara.